Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Now, today we are not going to be reviewing one movie. We're not going to be reviewing two movies. (laughs) Not three, not four. I sound like LeBron right now. Not three, not four, (laughs) but five movies. I'm ready. Jessica, we got to put some rules into place. So what are we going to do with each one of these movies? Okay, we can't just let this go willy-nilly. We have to put a time cap on it. So we got a 10-minute time cap to talk about each movie. So we're going to try and blast through it. I feel like spoilers are on the table for everything. So be aware that these movies have come out in the month of January or even before the month of January. So I think that it's pretty fair game. We're just going to give you our quick thoughts on everything and our ratings for everything. All right, and so with that said, spoilers abound. Let's get started with the first movie that we saw very early in the month. I can't believe we saw this movie, and that movie is Cats. That was from the trailer from Cats. Okay, uh, just in case, <laughs> just in case you needed a quick description, a tribe of cats called the Jellicles must decide yearly which one will ascend to the heaviside layer and come back to a new Jellicle life. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> anyway, okay. Rotten Tomato score is twenty percent. Audience score is at fifty three percent. People That's pretty high. divided. That's that is high. high. <laughs> it's really high. Um, I have to read something that was on the uh, critics' consensus on the Rotten Tomatoes site. This had me dying. Despite its formidable cast, this Cats adaptation is a clawful mistake that will leave most viewers begging to be put out of their misery. Oof. Yeah. Oh, good lord. Oof. Now, box office-wise, not good. Opening weekend, $6.6 million. Up to date. Up to date right now, it's made only $27 million. This was released on December 20th. All right, let's go ahead and let's quickly talk about it. What were your thoughts about Cats? Okay, so I was willing to give it a fair shake. I showed up at the theater ready to roll. I had my food. I was ready to watch Cats. And then when the first cat came on screen, I remember just thinking, no, like, God, no. (laughs) This is not okay. I was very disturbed. And I think I said it best in my letterbox review. Like, I'm pretty proud of this one. I said, what they did to Sir Ian McKellen and Dame Judi Dench was beyond comprehension. Mm. There were dancing cockroaches, 
Rebel Wilson unzips her cat skin. Uh. James Corden literally eats trash. And Idris Elba appears completely nude. I'm sure of it. Jennifer Hudson's lovely memory song was ruined by her perpetually pained facial expression and nose-dripping tears. Why the nose tears? Why is the nose tears? I don't get Why it. Why is this high, high art, high cinema? Okay, Taylor Swift can't sing Broadway. No. Unfortunately. She's grand, but keep her off the Broadway stage. And aside from the obvious human hands on every meticulously CGI'd cat, they managed to CGI bare feet onto a prima ballerina dancing on point. Oof. You know. Something that requires ballet shoes. So that being said, I think everyone has, has, you know, given their two cents on cats. It's pretty awful. Um, And I am not a fan of the musical. I don't come from a background where I knew the songs, was ready for cats, loved a Broadway musical. I was very much going in fresh. No background, no foundation. The only thing I knew was memories. That's the only thing I knew. Mm. That's all mm. I had because I know that's one. That's a song that my mom knows yeah. just randomly. That's all uh, I knew. Yeah, that's all memories. I knew too. And so, yeah. like, I was ready for that, but I had no idea what I was expecting the yeah. rest of the way. And again, it was just felt so disjointed. I couldn't quite wrap my head around the story. Every time I heard the term "jellical," which is the most bizarre term I've ever heard in my life, "jellical," I kept hearing "genital." Oof. Oof. Good lord. <laughs> Which is not a good start. Not a good start. Now, you read your letterbox review. Uh-huh, um, I did. You know, it was a good, decent paragraph of writing. Yeah. My yeah. letterbox review was a little shorter, <laughs> and um, my letterbox review was kill it with fire. <laughs> <laughs> the things that were on the screen. Oh my god. And just how did they get some of the renowned actors that they got to perform the most childish, mm-hmm. dumbest, incomprehensible script I've ever <laughs> seen. And uh-huh. the silliest yeah. songs, like, I, I can't remember which show it is that my brother watches, but uh, I think it's BoJack Horseman that they say, oh, uh, I hear that you went out for cats. Yeah, I went out for cats and I got it. So what does that mean? Oh, it's just a bunch of made up words. That's a secret. <laughs> Where's it's, the lie, though? Right. Where is the Where's lie? The it's lie? something along those lines. But what yeah, was it's your just, favorite part of Cats? My favorite part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're asking me for a favorite part for this movie? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, oof. I liked when Idris Elba would, like, puff away. Did he have magical powers? That's what <laughs> it felt like. I don't know. I That's think what it felt he did. like. I um, think he was magical, but I'm not quite sure. Jason Derulo scene Ooh, no. was the most oh. passable maybe maybe it was so disturbing the entire thing was everyone's like wow like just like snarling and gyrating and the only thing missing with it was for him to yell out jason derulo jason like just like derulo. yeah like, just is, do that it, when he didn't say it i was like oh there's something wrong <laughs> like, <laughs> this sounds wrong and i've never heard this musical but again i was like mm something's up so jason derulo didn't sing his own name it just is incomprehensible from the very beginning just yeah every single utterance of the word jellicle is just <laughs> it, it's seared into the brain and i think that they just should have gone with like regular 
like makeup and practical kind of gear. I'm glad you brought I, this up. Because the CGI was unsightly. Yeah. Unsightly. So Tom Hooper, who is the re- director of this movie, he also yes. directed the 2012 Les Miserables. With, well, I hated that as With well. Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway. He also directed The King's Speech that stole Best Picture in 2010. Um, we don't like to talk about that year. No, we don't because it's a travesty. Uh, but I don't know what the hell he was thinking, making this a full CGI. Like, I remember <laughs> when the first trailer came out. Yeah. And people were just like, oh, my God, Riding nightmare fuel. Yeah, no, it was mayhem. It was. And, like, people couldn't figure out the anatomy of all these, like, cats. Like, is yeah. the tail supposed to be coming out of the ass or supposed to be above <laughs> the ass? And Yeah. And then, people, like... like, women had, like, no breasts. Men had no packages. It was, like, everyone was basically just, like, gone. Like, all the human aspects. All the human that, aspects, like, but it was this them weird valley. Uncanny valley. Ugh. Because the faces... Are, you know, are realistic enough yeah. that it's just un. un- and again, seemly. everyone had human hands and then yes, like cat. Why is that a thing? And the ears were just on them, and I, some cats had fur coats. Why? Why? So, who are the fur coats of? Are they other cats? I don't know. Like, are they like out here like cannibalizing and like wearing? I don't know. I don't I, know. I it ugh. okay. Is there any redeeming quality of this movie at all? Um, um, shit. I think the easy I'm trying answer to think is of one. no. Because well, I'm of trying the fact. to give it a, something. Uh, I think it was bold. Uh, okay, that that's a nice word. It was bold and it was imaginative, and I think that people were upset about like simple things, like the logistics of like how, why are they so small in certain scenes and so big in other scenes? Like the closing shot of them in Trafalgar Square with the big lions, I was like, they're ginormous. The cats are giant. Yeah, they're they're more than human size. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, they're more than human size at that point. Because a human looks tiny on or next to the lions in Trafalgar Square, and then these cats are freaking like. All up in there. <laughs> it no. just didn't like the proportions were off. No, in they certain were off. Areas. Um, now this a, movie again, does center around one specific girl, right? But this girl has almost no lines in this movie. Correct. She is just like being carried around throughout the entire movie, being pulled mm-hmm. in this direction, that direction, by all these different characters. But it doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't finally. They like, like drop her off, and then she's, I guess, the audience standing because they explained to her what a jellicle cat is. And I'm like, what's a jellicle? Like the song ended, and I'm like, I still don't know what a jellicle cat is. And a jellicle cat, cat, and a jellicle <laughs> cat. And like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's. Yeah. Uh, they, they, so they don't do a good job of introducing an audience who is not aware of the musical cats. So. Okay, really quick, because I know we're running out of time here. Mm-hmm. Let's give our scores for this movie out of five. What was your final score? One and a half was my score. One and a half. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would never, like, wish this on my worst enemy. Like, this is... Uh, oh, like, no. No, no, I'd no. Have to, uh, again, we watched it sober as well. 
And that that made it probably worse. The entire oh. front row of our theater was in on the joke. There was like laughter and parts that you weren't supposed to laugh at. And everyone was generally just like shocked at what was on screen. Yeah, I gave it a one. Uh, <laughs> just for the sheer fact that this was ballsy by them. It to was. To do what they did. But does not make it good at all. And... Yeah, I don't wish this upon my enemy. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so terrible. Maybe Uh, if we were high. But I think we're out of time. All right. So with that said, that's cats. That's cats. And that's movie number one. All right. So I'm such a dog person. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're moving on to movie number two. Uh, This movie is Bad Boys for Life. I'm done, Mike. I'm a bit tired. Uh-oh, here we go again. You want your legacy to be muscle shirts and body counts? Look at this mess, it's carnage! I didn't do all this. You didn't shoot anybody? Well, come on, Captain, you know I shot some people. Yeah. And that was from the trailer for Bad Boys for Life. Uh, Bad Boys, Mike Lowry and Marcus Bennett are back together for one last ride in the highly anticipated Bad Boys for Life. Rotten Tomatoes rating is a 77%. Audience score is way higher at 96%. That is quite a difference there. And that is really high for the audience. So I guess they it really is. love this duo. They appreciated this one. Yeah, and they so did. so much so. Look at that money, though. Oh, box office. Opening weekend alone, $62.5 million in the United States. And up to date... It's made $148 million. That's only since January 17th. That is big numbers. Yeah. Especially for a January movie. Okay, so let's go ahead and let's talk about it. Uh, really quick, here's my question first for you. What is? Yeah, what's up? What was your like actual like um, <laughs> oh, experience with the franchise? Okay, so I, I we talked about this offline. I had been trying for months to finish watching the very first Bad Boys movie, and it just wasn't materializing for me it was one of those movies where i was like oh yeah i gotta go back to it because we watched me and my sister watched about half of it and then we just were like "Ooh, like something else came up and we're like let's just stop this right here and we never came back to it so before i know and before watching bad boys for life i was like god let me just get in on this first one like i need to finish it and um when the week of the movie we were supposed to go watch it i think the two nights prior i tried to finish it I just kept falling asleep. I was like so tired. <laughs> it just wasn't calling to me. It was there was no reason for me to be like, let me fight this sleep to keep watching this movie. I got 30 minutes away from finishing it. So I have 30 minutes left on the first Bad Boys movie. Have not even bothered to watch Bad Boys 2. Um Gotcha. And and so that's where I came into the franchise. I came in um So you came in 75% of the way on the first one. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't even finish. So I generally liked the first one. And I think that watching it so recently and then coming into this new one, I felt like I was in on the jokes and I understood the characters and I was like, oh, that person's from here. And oh, they're calling back to the first one because they did this and whatever. So it felt very familiar to me. That being said, you seem to really like Bad Boys more than I do. 
so I, I like it more than you do, I think. But okay. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm a super fan or that, like, I was dying to see this. Because I okay. remember when we saw the trailer the first time. And, yes. And then all of a sudden we see the January release date and we were like, oh, no. <laughs> so, so I was so hesitant on it. But then I heard, like, decent reviews, like, positive reviews. So, obviously, we gave it a shot. And I think we came away with it, like thinking you know that was all right it was fine um so it was a lot of fun yes yes there's a lot of fun moments it was fun there was fun bits um my letterbox review reads as follows this was not the worst movie i've seen and as of january 21st it's the best movie i've seen this year it's (laughs) yeah it's one third cheesiness one third balls to the wall fast and furious style action and one third actually decent in parentheses i put the Palpatine reveal was too much, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> and by that, I mean that there was a parentage reveal in here that came Good out of left Lord. field. Good Lord. And I, when that happened in the movie, I was like, ooh, there it is. There's the uh, the problem with this movie. Because it was, like, building, and it kind of established this really cool, like, family that was, like, up against the guys and had a vendetta against Will Smith. And you're just like, yeah, ooh, cool. And then Will Smith, spoiler, spoiler, um, Will Smith ends up being the father of the main guy that's wreaking havoc in Miami. Good Lord. So, but he got with like La Bruja. What Wasn't that her name? Yeah, La Bruja was her character name. But in real life, this is Kate Del Castillo. Latin people will know her from a lot of telenovelas, Mm -hmm. but they'll also know her from this very popular Telemundo show called Reina del Sur. Oh, shit. Oh, And so basically Mm -hmm. it's like a huge like cartel type of show where she is the kingpin or in this case queenpin, I guess is the way you would call it, uh, (laughs) of the cartel. I don't like that term. (laughs) No, I know. It's pretty bad. Uh, But yeah, so she has kind of like made this her persona. Uh She's been typecast, maybe. She has been typecast as that. But she played the role very well. I thought she gave a lot of gravitas to the role. She did. She seemed extremely serious about it, which was nice. Um, And then they kind of did her dirty because they made her into this, like, weird freakish, like, witch type character who like right. worshipped the devil and was like into demons and had all this like and it wasn't um, even demons because she was like calling on like santa whatever yeah yeah it was like some santo ahí so like it we're wasn't not catholic even, so we don't know i know but it was very much like they didn't need that no they didn't no they, they didn't, didn't I, need that at all so it could have just like, been ugh. a war um yeah you know that general premise of mike's past comes back to haunt him type of thing yeah. It's fine, but making it first off that his son doesn't look anything like him. No. And then number two, that, you know, it almost like a spiritual aspect to, you know, right. like she's controlling things spiritually somehow. I don't some even way. know. There was an undertone of that. And I was like, I don't appreciate it. Yeah, that. it was weird. Now, we obviously have returning Will Smith, Martin Lawrence. Did you find Martin Lawrence or Will Smith funny or charismatic as they I, usually no, are? I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's as par for the course. I get it's it's them, you know. It's them. It's not like they're acting. They're being themselves. <laughs> yeah, they're, being themselves. <laughs> um, they're pulling a Costner here. They're just being themselves, uh, which is probably just as charismatic as as. 
their characters, I guess. Right. Now, you know, that's of their course. comedy, like this back cool and forth cop, bickering. Bad, not even bad cop. It's just like a cool cop and not so cool cop. Right. The you the know, one who will go into a building the guns man firing versus, versus the bachelor, the right. action star versus like the computer dude, like and he's not even a computer dude. He's not even a it's computer just dude. He's just a reluctant them. hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The reluctant hero. Uh now we have some young people who joined the cast of this movie. That's right. We have We have <laughs> Charles Melton, who was in a movie that we did not like from last year, which was The Sun is Also a Star. Uh, <sighs> we had Vanessa Hudgens. What do you know? What do you know? Vanessa Hudgens and Alexander Ludwig as Dorn. He was yes. in Cato from the Cato Hunger from, Games. Yes, Cato from the Hunger Games, who yeah. was the big buff guy, but he was the computer dude. I loved that. That so was really much. good. Yeah, that was That good. was really good. I, do, I quite enjoyed like their dynamic and this addition of the three young people and even the main Latina who was um, in charge of that group. Her name was Rita. Rita, which I kept turning to and I was like, is she in Bad Boys too? Like, no, I don't know. not at all, and man. And you were like, no, she's a brand new character and they're set, like, retconning a, basically an entire relationship with Will Smith's character. Right. This all happened off screen in between. Off screen? Yeah. So, like, what happened to him and Gabrielle Union is the question. So, because Gabrielle she's in part two. Gabrielle Union was in two? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And they have. They well, she's a still in Miami if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I think was, that those were positives there. Yes, like, I think positive. that the movie kind of lost its its footing with the whole Palpatine reveal, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And if you don't understand what we're saying by Palpatine reveal, the rise of Skywalker. And you could yeah. go back and listen to that episode if you subscribe <laughs> to our show. Go back and check us out, and you'll hear our thoughts. Not necessarily just because she happened to miss that episode. I was out of town. But going back to Bad Boys for Life, I think that the movie very clearly sets up another movie behind it. So it really is like going to continue Fast and Furious style. Um, Pretty much. They regretted calling it Bad Boys for Life, right? Oh, no, I'm sure. For sure. I'm sure, because then the next movie doesn't have... (laughs) Right. Like, what's the title? What's for the, the title? Movie? Exactly. Yeah. They missed out a great opportunity, but they botched it completely. Um, now, this movie's in Miami. I think yeah. that you weren't 100% sure that this was going to be in Miami when you first started, yeah. because I remember you were like, wait, is that Miami? Yeah, because it started putting a bunch of glory shots in Miami. And right. Like, and so I was just like, yeah. But then I realized, oh, you you hadn't watched the series. It's always in Miami. No. So, yeah, yeah. But Miami was fun. Um, a lot of the directing style felt like Michael Bay, but it was not Michael Bay. It wasn't, Bay. but Michael Bay made a cameo. I know. <laughs> That's the last thing we got to say because we're out of time. And we're out of time. <laughs> uh, final score really fast. Oh, my score is a three. Three out of five. Uh, my score was also three out of five. Uh, so far, the best movie that I've seen this year. Oof. Okay. <laughs> so now we are moving on to our next movie, and that next movie is Weathering with You. Julio, <laughs> 
俺帰りたくないんだ君家出少年でしょ少年仕事探してんだろ空は海よりもずっと深い未知の世界なんだって And that was from the trailer for Weathering with You. A high school boy who has run away to Tokyo befriends a girl who appears to be able to manipulate the weather. <laughs> Red Tomatoes score is obnoxiously high, 90%. Audience score is、Jesus. near perfect, 97%. What the hell? I know. I know. So the box office is a little light here in the United States. $1.8 million US opening. I'm sorry, but is that worldwide number correct? Oh, yes, it is. $186 million worldwide.、Mm-hmm. This I, is a Japanese language anime movie. Fair.、Um, which, again, the US release was just January 17th and it's made a little bit of money here, but really it's kind of dominating worldwide. It、yeah. made back a lot of money. Because this is from the same creators as Your Name, which was the critically acclaimed movie、Correct. from 2016. Correct. Correct. Yes, so the director of Your Name、uh, is the same director as Weathering with You, Makoto、uh, Shinkai. Okay. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Now,、uh, this and he is... wrote, wrote and directed both. Yeah, he wrote and directed yeah, yeah, yeah. both.、Mm-hmm. Now,、uh, this is from G Kids. Right. So I looked up G Kids.、Um, this studio makes,、uh, produces a handful of. Of original films, and usually they kind of go for awards、uh, when they do. And then they also distribute a ton of movies, including Studio Ghibli movies internationally, actually in North America. So they're the distributor for North America,、uh, which is a huge deal. And that's why the studio is basically known for doing a lot of anime.、Um, interestingly enough, there are some. Cameos in Weathering with You, which kind of threw me for a loop. We went to go see this with Miguel、um, as well, who's a friend of the show. And he and I were kind of like confused because we, we were the ones that had seen Your Name before, which we love. And there were Mitsuha and Taki from Your Name had cameo, like lengthy cameos as well in Weathering with You. And we were like, So confused, but the crowd was very much into it, and they were like, Oh my god! And I think it's a very confusing universe that Shinkai is like setting up here. I don't understand, like, why would he do that? I think it's kind of like, I don't know if he's patting himself on the back or trying to like do it for the fans. It just didn't that can those cameos were kind of like out of place, so. I can't speak too much about your name、uh, because yeah, of the fact that I haven't seen, seen your it. Name.、Yeah. I haven't seen it.、Mm-hmm. Uh, anime has not really been a genre that appeals to me.、Um, okay. Usually the animation style kind of throws me off or just <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of. Okay. Well, what's、um, for the positives for Weathering with You, I think that the animation style is gorgeous. It's beautiful.、Mm, okay. And I really liked their. I think they didn't, for lack of a better word, they, 
they did a really good job portraying the weather. Um, the rain was gorgeous. The sun and the sky was really well done. And they there did were some visuals homework, that I were, think. yeah. Yeah, their visuals were really on point. And I think that's something that people are drawn to for the medium because it's such a unique style. Yeah. Um, I think that my issues with weathering with you, and I'm going to call them issues, is more having to do with... Uh, plot and logistics and a lot of like loose ends and like why kind of issues that I have with it. Things that they don't return back to. No, um, I, I wrote it up kind of nicely in my letterbox review. I keep like leaning on it because some of these were seen, we saw these a few weeks ago. Um, so I said for weathering with you, sadly disappointing felt like it was pulling from so many other movies and I list them. Atlantis, The Lost Empire, The Biblical Noah's Ark Story, Men in Black 2, The Shape of Water. Uh, pacing was weird and loads of loose ends. Why did he run away from home? Was he abused? If there was a summer girl, where was the rain girl? Why the gun subplot? Where? Why the dark terrorist warning scattered throughout, ultimately too disjointed to be satisfying? Oh uh, yeah, you are right about that. I will say one of the one of the things that really bothered me throughout was the lead character Kotaro uh-huh. and the way his voice would just like elevate to a scream pretty much in the oh, most random <laughs> situations and it I kind didn't of find bothered that me necessarily. Was, like, well, that's I think that's usual. Yeah. It's for like outbursts of emotion from right. anime characters. But the outbursts were just so just Okay. Yeah, I get so it. So much. It takes you out. It takes me out of it. Yeah. So so me, when it comes to movies like this, anime wise, I, I struggle with them because of the fact that sometimes they're you know, they they turn it up really mm-hmm. up to eleven, like briefly. Like yeah. emotions get ratcheted up. And sometimes it's just emotions that just they they don't belong uh-huh. in that moment, you know. Right. Um. Like there's all of a sudden they're just like overwhelmed. Right. They're overwhelmed and start yelling at the other person, and then they're quickly calmed down like like nothing. <laughs> and, yeah. And obviously it's animated, but it's so exaggerated uh-huh. the way that happens in moments. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think of like some really good things about this movie, but I overall I didn't. Really I didn't enjoy think it. I believed the romance. No. no necessarily. I, that was a friendship uh, that, yeah, it was a one-sided relationship, it really. It felt very much like, why? Like, why? It why? just didn't seem, I don't know, like, I didn't invest in it necessarily. I was more like, why is she in the sky, like, falling down? How is she chosen? What's the deal? Um, there seemed to be a lot of lore behind this summer girl um, yeah, thing. and it's something that like passed on, but the movie doesn't explain the like movie how it really came. has like an exposition dump by the monk, yes, or the, or the priest or whatever. Yeah, and then there's like these really this really cool ornate um, uh, illustration that's on the ceiling, and he kind of gestures to it, and you see it a little bit in frame and i'm like why can't we just like go in the painting you know (laughs) like why can't we just like kind of live it out why can't we see the first summer girl or the weather girl whatever um it felt like i wanted to like linger in that for a bit 
and instead it was like kept a secret <laughs> like it was a big secret that she, they, she had this like demise coming um that she was a sacri- basically a human sacrifice yeah um, she was so that the weather sacrifice. would be good, good. Yeah. um which again that's very a very pagan uh, concept you know not you know whether i don't know if the, the japanese really believe this or if this is just done for the movie but you know other cultures throughout history and prehistory uh did this they would sacrifice people um for good crops good weather things like that um and we're finding their bodies even today so it was kind of interesting and i kind of wanted to find out more about it it seemed very like haphazardly like oh yeah she's gonna die and blah 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 and everyone's trying to save her and i'm like but you know it it just kind of like didn't resonate i don't know how to explain it no i i agree with you i don't think it resonated with me either i try to invest in the main there was character. a heavy-handed environmental message yes. as well yes. which like i didn't necessarily appreciate i felt like that was super preachy now surprisingly and i didn't realize this until right before the movie this mm-hmm. was Jama- uh, japan's submission for the oscars Ooh. like for best international film which mm-hmm. was surprising to me that they put all their eggs on this movie yeah and um, yeah I don't know. I, I, I've i seen anime and there's a lot of anime that I like and this one just doesn't really stand up to that. So, yeah. So that – again, I'm in a genre that I'm not very familiar with and the, the ones that I am familiar with, I really enjoyed. So right. uh, really quick, what was your score on this movie? I teetered. I went with a two and a half but I think that that's – people might riot or be upset. I truly liked some aspects, but it did, didn't really cook for me all the way. So two and a half. Yeah, I. Then if people will be mad at you, they'll definitely be mad at me because I gave oh, it man, a one get- and a half. <gasps> yeah, I. I just could not get into this movie. Oh, I tried hard, God. and I just could not get into this movie. Okay, well, we don't have to talk about it for much more because we're out of time. <laughs> all right. So uh, three movies down. We have two more to go. Now, the next movie that is on our list. Going deep. Yes, we are going very deep (laughs) in this one. And that movie is Underwater. Listen carefully. You are now 5,000 miles from land. And you're descending seven miles to the bottom of the ocean. See you all in a month. Here we go. And that was from the trailer for Underwater. A crew of aquatic researchers work to get to safety after an earthquake devastates their subterranean laboratory. But the crew has more than the ocean seabed to fear. Rotten Tomatoes rating is a 49% audience Mm. score, hovering just above that at 61%. And when it comes to box office, I will get to that in just a moment. Uh, But this is a new film starring Kristen Stewart. Now, I believe this movie was sitting on a shelf (laughs) because of the fact that if you look at Kristen Stewart's hairstyle, this hairstyle is a couple years old. And so so you're saying they 
it's been sitting for years. Yes, it's been sitting for years. Mm. And so finally it was just like, we need to get this out of here. And it's time to see if we can make some money off of it. Mm. And uh, so overall, this movie reminds us of some other movies. It does. It really... It reminded me a lot of the movie Abyss from 1989 that stars Mm. Ed Harris. It was directed by James Cameron. You know, he loves going underwater. Um, On Abyss, so there was, um, I looked up Abyss just to make sure I was thinking of the right movie. And there was a bunch of quotes from reviewers who were talking about the film Abyss. And I wanted to read a couple because that seemed to apply to underwater as well. Um, this says, while praising the film's first two hours as compelling, the Toronto star remarked, but when Cameron takes the adventure to the next step, deep into the heart of fantasy, it all becomes one great big deja vu. If we, <laughs> if we are to believe what Cameron finds way down there, E.T. didn't really phone home. He went surfing and fell off his board. Wow. USA Today gave the film three out of four stars and wrote, most of this underwater blockbuster is good, and at least two action set pieces are great but the dopey wrap-up sinks the rest twenty thousand leagues and i was like damn i felt that in my bones with underwater because i thought that this was not the worst movie i have ever seen no no it's not it was pretty solid for most of the movie and i think for being what it was it had really good cinematography yes it did i was like really impressed with how it looked and how everyone was filmed and it just seemed very good. The abundance of slow-mo kept things very interesting, um, which there was a lot of slow-mo explosions and the stuff happening that was done and slowed <laughs> down. Um, but I particularly checked out in basically the third act of the movie uh, when the Kraken Man showed up. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so... In the trailers, um, you'll see that there was some kind of creature that's hunting them in the deep. Um, They're walking on the bottom of the ocean in the Marianas Trench, which, ha ha, that's the deepest (laughs) place on Earth. Um, Now, you think it's some sort of, like, creature about their size that's that's, um, chasing them, trying to eat them, hunting them, whatever. It turns out to be a Kraken man. That's maybe the size of a skyscraper <laughs> that's underwater. A Kraken uh, man. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't do it for me. There was a part where you think he's going, they're going through a field of these creatures. They look very much, uh, I don't know how to even describe their look. They look like humanoid, sort of, with yeah. frog legs. Yeah, pretty much. And they're... And like a sucky face. Just slightly they... taller than humans. Yeah, yeah. And um. they're picking them off one by one uh, as the movie goes on. So this is, what, six people, I believe, that start yeah. off this mission. Uh, Kristen Stewart, Vincent Castle, uh, T.J. Miller. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, who hasn't made an appearance in a movie since Deadpool 2. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, so there's like a crew here. Obviously, yeah. they're survivors of the initial quake, what they think is a quake. Um, anyway, it turns out that these smaller creatures are part of the larger creature. Are parasites on the Kraken Man? I think are they, they were. Are they the children of the Kraken Man? We don't get I answers am to that. totally unsure of exactly what they are. But basically, 
this Godzilla like creature is underwater and um, the Kraken man just didn't do it for me. No, I, that kind of took me out as well because it was just that last thing of if you basically play a video game, it's kind of like one of those like, oh, here we go. And it's this <laughs> giant monster that you could have to defeat type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, um, I had a lot of other like small issues that I was willing to overlook. Um, there's a section of uh, their ship or base or whatever on the bottom of the trench. And it starts to implode. And it takes its sweet ass time imploding. And I was like, uh, there's enough time for people to like run. There's like an actual Titanic moment where the bay doors are going to, you know, shut so that they can save the rest of the base from imploding as well and keep the water out. And they had to shut it on people. And I was like, okay, the pressure (laughs) in deep (laughs) in this deep water. There would be no, like, oh, I have to run to safety. Like, once the structure is compromised, it would would just implode extremely fast, like, so fast. So, to me, I was like, okay, no. But later on, somebody implodes in their suit after their little helmet gets cracked, like, for a second. And they implode right away, which was, like, super devastating and, like, extremely gross to see. But... I was like, there it is. There it is. That's how fast the the entire section of the base should have imploded um, once it was compromised. So uh, things like that really just it's like a little itch that I'm like, ooh. Um, what what other and things? We should I probably for- hit on the fact that this movie you could tell was supposed to be rated R. Oh yes, and it was definitely edited to be made into a PG thirteen movie. Absolutely, there's yeah. a moment where TJ Miller's character definitely says the f word, but somehow hell comes out of his mouth. They dubbed it, and it looks so bad. Yeah, it does look really bad. Very obviously dubbed. Yeah, um, um, yeah. Again, this movie does take a lot from Alien. Pre- Alien. Alien is number one, of, one. Is like the, Alien that's, underwater, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, when it comes to good things, um, yeah. I think there might be like a couple of lines here and there that are not bad. TJ uh-huh. Miller is not bad. He's not no, as overwhelming as he is. He got like sucked out of his suit yeah, uh, he did. pretty brutally. Pretty brutally. It was nasty. Um, and I the movie was going well, just like you said, until that final act. That final yeah, act. Yeah, because just... and then it's like a placed as a, this huge reveal, and you're supposed to be like, oh no, and it's kind of like a oh no, this this movie is. Uh, so this is where they went. going way down. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> I quite I was quite annoyed with the lights on the inside of their helmets. Oh yeah, that really bothered you. You could not oh, stop talking about God, that because it's like driving with the lights on inside the car. Like you have to leave. Turn the lights off so you can see outside. It's dark outside. It doesn't make sense. You're so, right. You're right about that. Uh, yeah. Um, it's solely a device so that we could see the actors' faces in their suits. But Oh, that's that's the only reason why there's lights on the inside. What else do we have to say about this movie? I think uh, that... Did you, you predicted who was going to make it out alive, right? Did I? Didn't I, you say maybe. that you knew, like, based on who was there, like, at the beginning, who was going to make it out alive? Maybe. I don't recall. So I remember watching the movie and I thought, okay, so two of these people have to survive. Okay, That's, yeah. That was my thought. It was yeah. like two of the six have to survive. Uh-huh. So I started thinking, okay, who's going to not make it out? Who's going to make it out? So my initial thought was, okay, Kristen Stewart 
and and I couldn't decide on the other one. So I said, maybe it's the guy with the bandana. So that, uh-huh. <laughs> but it turns out that I was half right because the guy with the bandana does make it out, but it was the other girl who makes it out, and Kristen Stewart sacrifices that's, herself. That's one of my favorite. Yeah, she does die at the end. Um, Here we well, go. That's one of my favorite um, uh, parts of the movie is when the Asian girl is like dragging her boyfriend's like limp body across the bottom of the ocean. Yes. And he's like, thanks for like dragging me across the bottom of the ocean floor. And she goes, anytime. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not anytime. Not anytime. <laughs> Women doing you, the work in this movie. Oh my God. Sure. Seriously. I really so, appreciated that. Uh, the movie, uh, it was okay. Box office wise made seven million dollars opening weekend up to this date 16.7 million so not that great what was mm-hmm. the score that you gave this movie i gave it a two um i gave it two and a half <laughs> you gave it a two and a half yeah i, I settled on a two and a half as well uh, hmm. just because i thought like there was enough for it but it's not quite like you know what it's good it, it's not it doesn't quite get there that I know, was the problem. It's such a mediocre movie, but we're out of time as well. So, and next movie. <laughs> that pushes us to the final movie that we saw here in January. Uh, and that is Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. I want you to play a game with me, Ray. I don't want to play a game. Oh, please. No. I said play a game with me, Ray, man. Right. Lovely. I want you to imagine a character. Your boss, Mickey Pearson. You're too smart to be blackmailing us, Fletcher. <laughs> Sweet Mary Jane is my vice. Your poison, on the other hand, is and always has been the destroyer of worlds. You're out of touch, and I would like you to consider an offer. I am not for sale. And that was from the trailer from The Gentleman. An American expat tries to sell off his highly profitable marijuana empire in London, triggering plots, schemes, bribery, and blackmail in an attempt to steal his domain out from under him. Okay. Yeah. So this movie was uh, one wild testosterone ride. It had so many guys in it. Um, It did. And I think that it's was fine um i think that i said it best when i wrote my letterbox review i said how do you get rid of the smell of testosterone asking for a friend (laughs) uh yeah this movie is all about guys and having power and what to do with that power or blackmailing oh yeah for sure Dick measuring. Um, yeah, they were all over the place. A uh, lot of jokes with the C word, like very creative with the way they curse in this movie. Very um, creative. The profanity was extremely creative. Yeah. Um, all and over again, the place. The audience and the Rotten Tomato score is not as bad as I would expect it to be. Um, Rotten Tomato score, 73%. Audience mm-hmm. score, 84%. Wow. Which. I mean, wow, kind of exactly. high, kind of like, high. Wow, that's kind of high. And it showed in the audience because I think for a January release, this is not that bad of an opening. It opened to a ten point six million dollar opening weekend, and huh. that was just on the twenty fourth, so a week and a half ago. And up to this point, it's made just a little over twenty million dollars. Yeah. Um, 
the movie is star-studded. Matthew McConaughey, uh, Hugh Grant. Charlie have, Hunnam. I'm sorry? Charlie Hunnam. Charlie, Hun- Charlie Hunnam. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> Henry Golding, who has become uh, a, a star in his own right. He's up yeah. and coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, of course, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. I think he was my favorite part of this yeah, movie. Yeah, he was. He was. He was, like, redeemed it, I think. Yeah, he bit. was the reluctant gangster, really. Yeah, which who, is a funny role. I love that. It was. And a lot of his lines were pretty good. Uh, although, uh, I think we have to go ha- go ahead and talk about this. This movie is just <laughs> casually racist to Asians. Oh, yeah. Just, like, offhand, like, if no problem at all. Yeah, and I think it might have been just toward toward one. It was, like, one character that kept, like, it, I can't. I can't even. It was uh, Hugh Grant. <laughs> Hugh His Grant was one. was, like, narrating the oh, whole movie. Oh, God, yes. And so he was, like, the most problematic character um, and like super flamboyant, but that wasn't the issue. It was like how he was describing Henry Golding and his whole like mafia crew. Um, that was kind of racist. But again, I don't know if it's like just part of the character because he's an asshole or like what. But they also go about it when like later on in the movie, it's very late. And, uh, you know, they have Henry Golden who dies in the movie. And they have him in a freezer, and they're just offhandedly referring to him as a frozen Chinaman. Yeah. It's like, uh, mm. Or the whole joke about one of the characters' names uh, being. That was in the trailer as well. That was in the trailer as well. Yeah. When it happened in the trailer, I was like, are we sure about this? Guys, like. Yeah. And I don't so, know if you really want to go that route. Yeah, I know. So, um, I. Are you big on Guy Ritchie movies? Um, okay, I think we discussed this during Aladdin a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. I am pretty lukewarm on Guy Ritchie movies. I haven't seen all of his filmography, but he seems to like be a little bit hit or miss for me. Yeah, for me, it's been mostly uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> you have Aladdin, you have, uh, I believe... There was one more movie, but again, it's another uh, British style film. I never got around to Snatch. I never got around to Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which are the ones that people just apparently adore. Yeah, they rave about those movies. Um, Guy Ritchie, not in this movie, but in most of his movies, there's a sense of flair and style with the cinematography. Hmm. And you'll see that, especially like in. uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, there's yeah, that moment sure. where like Sherlock Holmes is like fighting in slow motion and he's thinking out everything. Yeah, and so yeah. he has that entire fight scene where it's, it, it looks really cool. Uh, but this movie didn't have any of that, really. No, uh, it was very light on the Guy Ritchie-isms. Yeah, it was very surprising with that. Now, uh, this movie is funny in moments, I think. I think it is funny. Uh, Hugh Grant d- definitely has an energy to him that I've never seen before. <laughs> I, I'm actually, like, intrigued by this character because he's actually doing acting. Yeah, he, he is. You know, like, he turned up for the role and he seemed to be relishing the role. Yes, he, he does. And he even goes into this whole thing about like describing the movie as a script and he's like going through it and he's but basically then there really is a script. Yeah, like, I don't he know is if shopping it is it around to like Miramax, which is 
the studio behind this movie. Like, right. And it's also like, like meta. Like randomly, there's a poster of Man from Uncle, another Guy Ritchie movie. Yes. Uh, so and he's in that movie. Hugh Grant yeah, is in yeah. that movie. So. It was very meta. It was very meta. Uh, what um, was I going to say? The framing devices. I, I did not like the framing device. So I said before that Hugh Grant was narrating the whole movie and the framing device is that he breaks into Charlie Hunnam's house and uh, blackmails him and spins this wild story uh, telling Charlie Hunnam why he should give him 25 million pounds to keep him silent um, or else he's going to sell the story to a really skeezy uh, tabloid, slightly reputable tabloid, I don't even know, in London. Um, and that's how he explains the entire movie. All of the action happens like as if it's already happened. And Hugh Grant is like spinning this like wild tale. Um, I didn't like it. I thought it like broke up the action kind of bizarrely. It was a little bit distracting. Yeah, there was a couple of moments where uh, something is happening on screen and then it freezes and it's because Hugh Grant is like putting emphasis on that scene, how he imagines that it happened, Uh but it turns out it doesn't happen that way at all. So then the movie like rewinds on the spot and then it goes through the real moment. I think there's an element of this movie where... I guess it's called because it's called the gentleman and they're trying to elevate these gangsters or whatever. Uh, it felt like there was a lot of restraint to certain scenes. Like when Charlie Hunnam goes and picks up the druggie uh, from that apartment, he's like talking in such a deliberate, slow way and like trying to diffuse the situation and being very intentional about how he is being presented. And then at the end, it's very much like, okay, I think I'm just going to like do this the easy way. And he takes out like a machine gun. It's just like in the neighborhood. Like that's the way to do it. (laughs) I think that the movie made a point of like, not showing a lot of the violence. I don't know how to put it because they also had like the head of the Chinese mafia freaking projectile vomiting at one point. Oh yeah. That was pretty disgusting. Like, I don't know. There was a bizarre balance in this movie and there was a lot of like, you stepped on my turf, you soured this business deal. You tried to devalue my company and a lot of like, I am better than you like bullshit (laughs) that is a very good word for it Uh, um i think that last thing i will say before i hand it over to you uh the baffling mindset that matthew mcconaughey's character has that his marijuana empire is more noble and clean than hard drugs like heroin because this product doesn't ruin lives (laughs) like get over yourself oh that's great yeah okay that that is hilarious um i think that a lot of the good moments just stem from Hugh Grant's it being funny in, in most moments, not all. Uh, Charlie Hunnam being like that stoic figure. Mm-hmm. Um, the conciliary. But overall, Colin Farrell is the one to take away from to, this movie. Exactly. He yeah. is the, the best. He's the funniest. I think he delivers great jokes. I think his introduction in the deli scene where he's oh, like fantastic. fighting these four kids and <laughs> – just like, come on, if you're really going to do it, just come and do it. Like, And he's yeah. like egging them on. Uh, so overall, what did you give the score to The Gentleman? I gave it two stars. You gave it a two star? Yeah, mostly because I really liked the portrayal of the wife. Ah, gotcha. 
Yeah. By Michelle Dockery. Mm. Uh, she was she was pretty good. And yeah. um, I really liked how she owned like a shop, a high end shop, and she was yes. a businesswoman and, it was and hers. had her own career. Uh, for me, I and I he gave was madly it, in love with her. Yeah, I gave it a two and a half. So oh. just right there. Okay. Well, that's it. That is it. <laughs> we are out of time, guys. We we Woo. said it and we did it. We I marathoned it. Yeah, we marathoned it. That is five different movies, all in under an hour. Wow. We did it. Wow. I know. Now, uh, really quick to give you an update of what's coming up. Uh, this week we have. The Birds of Prey, The Emancipation of the Fantabulous. Fantabulous. Get it right. Harley Quinn. Uh Uh, That will be this weekend. Also, this weekend is the Oscars. Uh, So we will see who wins Best Picture. Although, like I mentioned before. I do not give two shits. I know you don't care. I know you don't care. Uh, But it's almost locked up. But what a surprise it would be if Parasite wins Best Picture. That would, be, that would be great. Oh, my it God. It would be great. Yeah. Um, not that it would be I like hate, Castro died. I'd it's be not out that, there with my little oh my pot God. and pan. We're going to go to La Carreta on 8th Street. <laughs> yes. So, uh, my, Miami people know that what that means. Uh, but it looks like 1917 is going to be the winner. And not that I hate that movie. Like, it's a good movie. It's, it's fine. But, like, get over it. It just feels so, like... There's so many boilerplate like yeah here we go here's the here's the movie of the year a movie that is safe and it's like the king's speech all over again oh don't get me started (laughs) uh and so for the next couple weeks we will be coming with brand new movie reviews every single week now if this is your first time listening go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app we're on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and many more and if you give us I misread that. Let me wait. If you like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts because that does go a long way for us in terms of what is happening with the show. We love hearing from you guys. So don't forget to check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can talk to us, message us, give us a gif on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Always Critic Pod. Well, that has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic Podcast. 